welcome to the Take 6 Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is your brand new, newest episode of the Take 6 Podcast. We are going to be talking all things Toronto Raptors today. As always, I'm your host, Hunter Surplus, and on the line is our co-host, Mr. Callum Wise. Callum, how are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, uh, other than being sick, so hopefully I can get through this. Yeah, sometimes that's the way she goes. As the weather changes, we do tend to get a little sick sometimes. Before we get into the show, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at take underscore six, on Instagram at take six podcast, and find us on Facebook by searching take six in that little search bar. You can also find us on our website, take6.org. We write a few articles every now and then, and we post our podcast up there. We've switched over to Anchor, which is kind of a new uh, podcast host. So I don't know if our stuff is hitting iTunes quite yet. I know it was before, but our, our newest episode has not hit Apple Podcasts quite yet just because the new platform kind of needs to send stuff over. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts uh, eventually. You can find us on Anchor for the time being. Go find us there. Give us uh, give us a couple plays, and I'm sure you guys will like what we have to say. So anyways, before I do any more dumb talking, Cal, <laughs> let's get into the Raptors. And we did have a podcast, I think it was last Wednesday or something like that, where we chatted Raptors. So this isn't necessarily a full week of Raptors content. This might be a little bit of a shorter episode, but that is A-OK. What did happen, however, and this is kind of the news of the week for the Toronto Raptors, was that Kyle Lowry injury, and he's back already. So obviously, we both said it last week. We both said it when we were talking about it before. There's no need to be worried. So now, since Kyle Lowry is back, the Raptors actually played for their first healthy game pretty much since January. Since the beginning of the season. Yeah, essentially. Essentially since the beginning of the season. And... That is an encouraging thing to see with, you know, I think it's like nine games or something left in the season or 11 games left in the season. This uh, this team needs to get together and healthy before the playoffs start. And so now a funny stat that I saw was that they've only really played three games, like including last night in that game against Charlotte. They've only played three games where they've been fully healthy, where there hasn't been someone on the injured list or no, like, you know, load management, whatever, this whole season, which is pretty insane. And Cal, you kind of mentioned this before we got on here, is that they brought back Kyle Lowry early. And his comments after the game last night were kind of, you know, my ankle isn't 100%. But what's more important is that I have a run with the team and we get it going. So for you... Do you think that that's more important to this team than, you know, Kyle Lowry being fully 100% before coming back? I think that he makes a good point just because the Raptors this season have had, uh, as of recently, they've, they haven't had a lot of like long win streaks going. Um, there have been some games where they look iffy or some players look iffy together, I, obviously because they're, uh, they did change the roster a lot coming into the last half of the season. So I I really get where Kyle's coming from, where, like there's like you said, there's like 11 games left in the season heading into the playoffs. And these like you said before, they've played three games together full strength. That's 
that's crazy. That's like no games at all. So I think it makes sense that he came back early, but it also doesn't make sense because we talked about that last week where Kyle has been injury prone. So what if in the next five games he re-injures it and then he's out for two weeks? That is not good. So obviously Nick Nurse is taking a risk, but I think he has reason to. So we'll have to see how this plays into the end of the season. Hopefully Kyle doesn't get injured again and uh, it works out for us. I Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Kyle. Like, obviously, the three-game thing is pretty nuts that they've only played that many together. And a big thing about a lot of these good teams is kind of continuity. And for right now, we don't really have that. Like, obviously, the, the big guys have been there, right? Siakam's played almost every single game. Ibaka's played almost every single game. Gasol, since he's been here, has played every game. But then there's also the guys that we've kind of brought in. Like I said, Gasol, he's new. Kyle Lowry has missed quite a few games. I think I saw something where it's like Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard have missed almost 40 games combined. And obviously some of those games are the same games. It's kind of cons- like I'm not concerned because this team is so good and their game is fine even without a guy like Kawhi Leonard in the lineup and even without a guy like Kyle Lowry in the lineup. But as we've seen, and like especially last night, it's not the starters that are going to need this continuity and this, you know, chemistry building. And I think it's more coming from the bench unit. And Nick Nurse, as we've seen throughout the whole season, is has been, you know, changing up lineups and and testing different things out. And I think that's going to continue in these last few games. But with you know maybe three or four games left on the season, they should have something figured out as long as everyone stays healthy, and they will kind of have their playoff you know quote-unquote playoff rotation ready for the playoffs and I think we'll start seeing the shortening of the bench just to get everyone used to it you know Norm Powell only played you know 12 minutes or something like that last night and I know he's not used to it and those guys that are going to be coming off the bench in those you know playoff games and the meaningful minutes which last night was far from a meaningful game mm-hmm. but well at least on the Raptors perspective the the Hornets needed that win but Either way, we're going to see more out of this quote-unquote chemistry building, I guess. That's going to come more from the bench and in their roles. Like, OG hasn't been playing well this season. Jeremy Lin hasn't been playing well as of late. Norm Powell has had his ups and downs. Ibaka has been looking really bad off the bench. So the biggest thing for me with Lowry coming back is obviously that chemistry building and that knowing your role when you're coming off the bench rather than just kind of plugging and playing like they've been doing. But I don't think they brought him back too early. Like, obviously, if he gets injured again, hell yeah, they brought him back too early. But I don't think mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Kyle Lowry is a very, you know, he's a resilient guy. He doesn't get injury, injured all that often. And even though he's only at, I, I don't know what he's at, maybe 80%, 75%, he's still better than no Kyle Lowry. It's, it's good to have him out there playing with Van Fleet and maybe... Uh, we'll be able to see Van Fleet with the ball a little bit more. In the past, he's kind of had the, like, you know, last year he had a little bit of an injury going into the playoffs or run out of kind of gas. His legs went out from under him in the in the playoffs a little bit. Does this con- does that part concern you about him coming back early? Like, why I we talked about this on last week's podcast. Why didn't he just kind of take the time to get some more rest that might be needed and might help him a little bit out in the playoffs? Like, does that kind of stuff concern you at all uh, not really just because 
like we were just talking about, he they need the the chemistry together. That's like the biggest thing or the biggest problem with the Raptors right now is that they don't really know like the bench mostly doesn't really know their roles. So I think him coming back early might jeopardize them in the in the future, but it also is gonna help them like right now just because they need it. Um, so I think it's easier to say that it's a better decision for him to come back early than it is for him to take some more rest. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. So we talked a little bit about the, we didn't really talk about it. We mentioned the game last night against the Charlotte Hornets and the ending to that game is kind of what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about that. The middle part of the game, the first quarter, they played well, second and third, they didn't play well. Most of the fourth, they played pretty well. So, the big thing that happened in last night's game was the Jeremy Lamb buzzer beater. Uh, it was a 48-foot shot to win the game is what I saw. And I think it's the longest game winner since like 2009. And and Raptors fans have been kind of lucky to see these really long end-of-game shots, right? Like, I don't know, I think it might have been 2014, 2015, where, or maybe even 2016, I can't remember, where Kyle Lowry hit that three-quarter court shot to tie the game at the end of uh, at the end of the fourth against the Miami Heat to force overtime in a game that they eventually lost. That was sick. And then we see this shot uh, to win the game. Cal, out of those two shots, I don't know if you remember that Kyle Lowry one. Oh, of course I do. I was <laughs> going crazy. Which uh, which was more impressive to you? I th- well, definitely the Kyle Lowry one, man. Like, that was a playoff situation. This one was, like you said, for us, it was meaningless. But for Charlotte, it obviously was crazy for Charlotte because they needed it. But the Kyle Lowry one, it just means so much more. I mean, obviously, we lost that game in OT. But we did end up beating them, which was kind of insane. And that was the year we, we uh, took a couple games off Cleveland. So, overall, it was just a an amazing year that year. So... I think that one just means so much more just for yeah. Raptors fans, for Raptors fans. Yeah, I agree. And the the funny thing about it is like both of them, both of the shots like leading up to them, they both kind of lost the ball and not like and then Kyle just Lowry, threw it up. Yeah, yeah. And then just kind of threw it up. And, and Kyle Lowry's was more like it was off of an inbound and he just kind of misplayed it. I like. I can't I can't fully recall what happened, but it was you know he didn't have the ball fully in his possession three seconds leading up to the shot, and the same thing happened with Lamb. You know Pascal Siakam played fantastic defense on the play, knocking it away from Lamb as soon as he got it from the inbound pass, and then he just picks it up and flips it over him. I I agree with the I agree with the Kyle Lowry one being more impressive. Like it's it's a farther shot. He was you know. He was teetering on the out-of-bounds line, but I think the Jeremy Land one for the Hornets fans kind of means just as much as that Kyle Lowry one. The Jeremy Lamb one last night kind of saved them from being pushed out of the playoff race, and now they can still potentially make it. I don't think they will, but they can, they're still in the race if they kind of win out for the rest of the season. But it was also a, a game winner, right? Obviously, yeah. to tie it is a bit different than winning the game. Obviously, the Raptors ended up losing that one in overtime uh, against the Miami Heat. But either way, both were extremely fun plays. Um, 
leading up to that, however, was a Kawhi Leonard very, very ugly isolation play after hitting a very nice uh, mid-range jumper the possession before to put the Raptors ahead and then getting a very nice block on the other end. I saw people on Twitter blaming Kawhi Leonard for the loss, and that's just kind of absurd. Like, obviously that last possession was horrid, and maybe they should have went another way, which we can I'll ask you about in just a second. But if Jeremy Lamb doesn't hit that shot, no one's talking about, oh, that's Kawhi's fault. Oh, it's Kawhi's fault. They only won by two points. So people need to relax on Twitter. This game means nothing. It's a game in the end of March where the Raptors already know that they're the second seed against one of the worst teams in the league in the Charlotte Hornets. Anyways, about that last possession, instead of going to Kawhi there, Siakam was kind of hot. He had a pretty good fourth quarter. I mean, Kawhi Leonard had a really good fourth quarter. But do you think they maybe should start deferring out of Kawhi? We've talked about this a little bit earlier in the season, but start deferring away from Kawhi, or at least not isolate him as much as they have been in end-of-game scenarios? I mean, I think right now you can definitely start looking towards Siakam, but I think Nick Nurse knows who he wants to play to in the playoffs in those situations. So I'm I'm going to say that he won't, like, for the rest of the season, he's not going to do that. He's just going to keep it for Kawhi because, like, like, we always come back to this. They need the chemistry and... Um, so like if Kawhi gets that, uh, like the ball more often in the fourth quarter, like, I mean, he does, like, I mean, in those like last play situations, then, um, he'll get more comfortable with it, uh, obviously. So I think like we would like to see Siaka get the ball, but I think Nick Norris is going to keep it with Kawhi Leonard for right now. Yeah. It's becoming very predictable, and it's looking kind of ugly in a lot of games in the playoffs, and maybe not the first round, but definitely in the second round if we're playing a team like Boston or Philadelphia, and the conference finals if we're playing a team like Milwaukee or those other two teams I just talked about, it will be a little more difficult to just isolate because a lot of those games are going to, if not come down to the last shot, they'll be really close in the last you know, X amount of minutes, whatever it is. There's going to be a lot of clutch scoring needed to be done. And deferring away from Kawhi or even just having someone else, you know, playmake for that possession might be a little more helpful than just having Kawhi isolate because A, it's predictable, like I just said, and B, it will open up Kawhi Leonard for a open shot rather than being triple teamed by yeah, the guys on the Charlotte Hornets. So, anyways, enough of that talk. That game was fun to watch, and Kawhi Leonard is clutch regardless whether he made the shot or not. Earlier in the week, we had a home and home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we split it. We went one and one. We won when we were in OKC, and OKC won when they were in Toronto. Well, no, they won when they paid off the refs. <laughs> so, anyways, the big story kind of coming out of that was, A, that Paul George talked to Kawhi Leonard about his free agency. And I, we don't need to get into that, I don't think, because I don't think it really means anything. 
It would be nice if it does, however. But the other thing was kind of the Kawhi Leonard versus Paul George debate. And obviously Paul George has had the, I wouldn't even necessarily say better season, but he had, he's had the more recognized season. Uh, he had those few games where he put up 30 points. Uh, he had a, like a 10-game run where he was absolutely unbelievable, bringing that team up to the fifth spot or the, the third spot in the Western Conference, which is always tough to do. But because Kawhi's missed so many games, he hasn't been recognized as much. So I'm just wondering for you, Callum, we kind of did this with uh, with Lior when he joined our podcast and with the Kawhi versus James Harden. But I want to ask you, if in a vacuum, if you were to pick a team, to, if you pick one of these guys to build around or to you know, be your number one guy or even your number two guy, which I don't think either of these guys would be a number two guy. But to 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 build your team around, who are you picking, Kawhi Leonard or, or Paul George? See, this is another tough one because Paul George this season is, like, making his case for MVP. Like you said, I, I didn't even think it was, like, 10 games. I think it's just the entire season he's been putting up. He's been putting up really good numbers and, like, carrying that team – Along with Westbrook, obviously, but Westbrook's more of the two. Like he's the second man right there. Like Paul George was was on one for a long stretch, like scoring 40 points a game, like doing what Harden was doing, just just taking over games and carrying them. But obviously, Kawhi Leonard is just like, uh, like we everyone knows how much we love Kawhi Leonard. We were talking like we loved Kawhi Leonard before he came to this team and now he's on our team, so I'd say this season I would I would let Paul George take the reins of a team, but I think overall I would take Kawhi for the long haul just because he's he's the more consistent player. Like last year Paul George was like nobody even talked about him at all. Like, he was pretty silent in terms of how he was playing. So, I think, like, not to say Kawhi wasn't, because he was out for a season and a half. So, um, yeah, I'd say for this season, Paul George, but long haul, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I'm still probably going to go with Kawhi. I don't think Paul George really has that top five you know, player in the league status that Kawhi Leonard has and that he's attained over his, you know, the kind of the four-year, five-year run that he's had. Like, if you exclude last year, if that is taken out of the picture, the four-year, five-year run that he's had, including this year, has been much, much better than Paul George. And obviously, Paul George had that gruesome injury with Team USA that he's kind of finally fully recovered from. I am still going to go with Kawhi. I think he's better on both ends. He might not be as versatile offensively because, uh, you know, Paul George has that has a way better three-point shot. He's not as good in the mid-range, but he can still do it. And uh, finishing around the rim, he's still pretty good. But I think Kawhi, at what he is good at, he's just that much better than Paul George is at the things that Paul George is better at than Kawhi. And I said this. I said this when we talked about James Harden, right? Like, Kawhi Leonard's defense is better. Paul George's offense is roughly the same. I don't think it's exponentially better, if it is better at all, than Kawhi Leonard's. And what Kawhi Leonard is good at 
he is great at, right? He is probably yeah. the best mid-range scorer in the game if you, you know, break down all the numbers and you break down what efficiency, all that kind of stuff. I think he's probably the best mid-range scorer in the game. Scoring inside, he is one of the best in the game. He's, I th- and I think he's underrated in terms of his mid, or not mid-range, his scoring from inside the paint. He's so strong. He's much stronger than Paul George. He is much more controlled, I think, than Paul, Paul George. And his three-point shooting is, you know, I don't think it's as good as Paul George, but on a good night, he can be one of the best three-point shooters in the league, which is crazy to say. And then on the defensive end, he is just much better. We saw with the block last night with, you know, 18 seconds to go or whatever it was, where he made a massive block on a game-winning, well, not game-winning, but it would have been to tie the game. He makes a big block, uh, which basically it would have changed the outcome if it wasn't for that Jeremy Mm -hmm. Lamb shot that we talked about so much. And he is able to kind you know, he's able to change the narrative of games just from one ass. Like if he is going off for 40, he changed the narrative of that game while playing really good defense. But if he's, you know, being the defensive stopper on defense, like he has done in the past on, on guys like LeBron James, on guys like Paul George, like we saw in these two games, and even on guys like Giannis and James Harden that we're going to have to see in the playoffs. I think that I would take, Kawhi Leonard because of those things and what he's good at he excels at more than anybody else Paul George is is good at a lot of things but he's not the best right and I think that's where I differ those two and it's just, it's it's hard to say though because this season you're right Paul George is probably you know the third the third guy in that MVP MVP race and he's going to be all NBA first team but if Kawhi Leonard doesn't miss 20 or so games that he's going to miss this year I think he has a better season overall, and he's probably above Paul George in that in that race, I would say at least. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's speculation just because he did miss those games. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I think it's also kind of nice to say that when Kawhi goes off, it's it's very quiet, right? Like oh yeah, like you, you see, had, you get you get he gets forty, and people are like, wait, what? what yeah, like forty. Yeah, and he he. So I when I was thinking about this, when I was kind of drawing up the outline for this podcast, I was thinking, all right, well, who would I take, right? Like obviously PG had a really good game that second game. He dropped twenty eight, and you knew he dropped twenty eight, right? And they say, like, yeah, PG had a great game that second game, but he did he didn't have that great of a game. First of all, he had twenty eight points. But he was a minus two in the win. He's the only player on his team who was a who was a negative. And Kawhi Leonard, on the other hand, who and these guys were guarding each other for a lot of the game. If if it wasn't Siakam guarding PG, it was Kawhi Leonard, and vice versa. If it wasn't, you know, Jeremy Grant or whatever guarding um, Kawhi, it was Paul George. And so it was a good one-on-one matchup. It was very entertaining. We watched that second game together. Yeah. Um, but Kawhi Leonard had 37 in the second game with six assists, six assists and was a plus 12 in the loss. And that's like, if you look at that, you know, just at those numbers right there, you think Kawhi had a very loud game and he was so much better than Paul George on the court. And, but it was, it's, and like I said, it's the little things. It's what he's really good at. He will do well. I'm not saying he shut down Paul George because he didn't. Paul George still got his with the 28 and, and he still won the game. But, Kawhi had a quiet 37. He also put up six assists and was the only guy on the team who is a plus in the double digits. So I'm I'm leaning Kawhi on this one. 
I do I do like Paul George. I can't lie, but I do like Kawhi on, on this, you know, Kawhi over Paul George. So the last topic that we are going to talk about here is one that I've kind of been harping on of all season, uh, and it's Pascal Siakam. I wrote something, I think it might have been last week, I wrote something why Siakam is my favorite player. And it's kind of also why Siakam should be considered the best player on the Raptors for this season. And we talked about this a little bit on a podcast. This is a very repetitive podcast this week, guys. I'm sorry about that. But here's why I think Siakam should be the best. Like, you should consider him the best player overall this year. And it's, you know, these past few games have kind of showed it. Overall, in terms of, like, the whole game and the the greater you know, the greater, if you pull back and look at the whole game together, not just spurts and not just the raw numbers, you can, you look at, you know, effective field goal percentage, true shooting, all this kind of stuff. Pascal Siakam has the best numbers out of anyone on the Raptors. That includes Kawhi, includes Kyle Lowry when he's playing, includes Gasol, includes Ibaka, includes Norm Powell, includes uh, OG Ananobi, includes Jeremy Lin, all these guys are not putting up the same numbers as Pascal Siakam is. And Obviously, there's times when I mention these guys' names, right? Gasol, he took over a little bit in in some games. Kawhi Leonard takes over all the time, and at some point in every single game, he takes over for a five- or six-minute stretch. Kyle Lowry takes over a little bit. But there's times when Siakam takes over that none of— there's something with it, and I, I can't you know pinpoint exactly what it is, but there's something with when Siakam takes over that these other guys just don't have and and the other you know five or six minutes where Kawhi takes over it's not the same and it's not it doesn't feel like it has the same impact and I don't know whether it's because he he takes over on both the offensive or defensive end but I'm just wondering man like am I nuts to be saying this like it has I can tell you right now what you're thinking it's the hype factor Siakam just brings this next level of of just hype man like he when he gets those dunks like you see like he fired up and that fires up the fans and that's like what i love in a player like when you're when you're excited like when he uh when he did that euro step on schroeder in the uh the okc game and he got the and one and he's like flexing on the ground like that that hyped me up that was like those are those plays that just like get you going you know and that brings the fans into it that gets your team going on another level like we need that in the playoffs, especially like Kawhi, like we've talked about, is a quiet guy. He's he's quiet when he goes off, like all this stuff. He's not like super hype, and he's never been super hype. So I think Siakam, he just brings that factor. Like uh, uh what's it? What was his name? Bismack Biombo, bro. In that, series, <laughs> he he was amazing in in those series, man. Like this guy went off, and he just brought a next level. Of, of hype into the crowd and like when you get a block the fans would go crazy and it just made like I'm pretty sure that hype got us to win those two games against Cleveland and, and that was Cleveland in their prime by the way not when it was LeBronto that was uh the, the Kyrie Kevin Love uh LeBron era and so like yeah that's I think where Siakam just like is above and beyond like just makes this team better is that he just brings a certain element of like hype and like just super athleticism to the game 
that like you don't see on anyone else like in the team. Yeah, I really I I love that Bismack Biombo comparison because they're talking about this a little bit um on Twitter and Biombo and you know speaking of Biombo he he was in Toronto last night as a member of the Charlotte Hornets and I think he's probably one of the most loved one year Raptors of all time mm-hmm. like I can't think of anyone else who's really been that one year impact guy and you're right it was because of that hype and and the energy that he puts into it and it's it's weird to compare Pascal Siakam yeah. you know, <laughs> to Bismack Biombo, but it, the impact that he has in terms of energy and hype and and it's you're t- you're totally on on point with this one, Cal, is that he brings that energy, which then gives the energy to the rest of the guys. And that's you know, you're right. You're totally right that that's the difference between when he takes over and when Lowry takes over because when Siakam takes over, it'll mean that these next, the other four guys on the court, whether it's uh, Kawhi Leonard or whether it's a, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry or even if he's playing with the bench guys, it gets them excited too, which in turn gets them to play just that much better because of the emotion that this guy plays with. And when he, like you, the Schroeder example, it was amazing. He gets, he's on the ground and he is flexing. Schroeder throws the ball at him. Tech. <laughs> tech and so it's it's fantastic man and i you got it spot on where it's all about the energy and it's all about what this guy does the athleticism the speed i don't think there's really a comparison we talked about it last week most improved player it's got to be him he has been the best Uh, d'angelo russell is who we were talking about yeah, but no, but in like uh, in terms of Siakam, like it's it has so, to. Oh yeah, I know. I, I thought you were just asking who we were talking oh, about. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, so I think it's Siakam has been over the last few games the best player. Like he had 33 against OKC in that first game where they won. He put 25? up five. I think it was uh, again in the second game. It was 25. Yeah. And in last night's game against the Hornets, it was a solid 23 points. And I think they said something in the past 15 games, he's been averaging like 27 and 5 or 27 and 4 or something like that, right? Like 20 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. And it's like, man. Close to Kawhi numbers, man. Close to Kawhi. Like Kawhi's, you know, he's got a few more. He's scoring points a little bit better, but. I don't know, man. The rebounds, the assists. This guy does it all, dude. He, I, people don't think of him as as this, you know, great great player. But I think he's he's turning into that in front of our eyes, and he's gonna have the biggest the biggest impact I think that's gonna have like that's gonna happen in a conference finals or a second round, depending on who we're playing is going to be how well Pascal Siakam plays. Mm-hmm. If Pascal Siakam is playing at the level that he is at right now, which I don't see why he wouldn't be, this team is so much different in that in that playoff race, man. This team will go much further than everyone else expects it to. Like This is a guy who's like almost level with Kawhi in terms of like numbers, which is insane. Like To have two of those guys on your team, that's that's going to set you above and beyond. And it's, like we were talking about the hype that he brings, like, I don't know if you remember last year, but do you remember when he dunked on LeBron from like the yes. free throw line? Oh, oh my God. That was probably one of the most hype plays I've seen in Raptors history. Man. And like, he's going to do, 
Go I ahead. got so I was like I was out of my seat. I was like just punching the air, man. Like it was crazy. That was that was one of the best plays I've ever seen. Just for because like he was he was a nobody. He was a nobody last year, and this kid just runs up and dunks on LeBron from the free throw line. Like what? Nobody saw that coming. Bro, he's gonna do that to Giannis this year, and it's gonna it's gonna end the NBA. The NBA it's gonna end. He's gonna do that to Giannis in the finals. <laughs> he's gonna do it to KD and Draymond at the same time. He's gonna do it to <laughs> Jared Allen. He already while, you know, while kicking Draymond in the nuts. Yeah, like, it, there. yeah, and it's gonna be game over. It, the Raptors are if if Siakam is playing. As if Siakam can dunk on Giannis this offseason, offseason, this postseason, they're winning the finals. <laughs> Mark my words. If it happens, if Siakam dunks on Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Raptors are winning the NBA finals. All right. I'll hold you to it. That's what I'm saying, dude. It, I, I will, I, I'm guaranteeing it. I will bet my <laughs> life on it. I guarantee that it happens if, if he does dunk on Giannis, which might, you know. I think it's I think it's very possible. I think it's very possible. Anyways, that is it for us today, Callum Wise. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Always having a fun time talking to you. You too, uh, pal. Yeah. Like I said at the top of the show, Twitter, Instagram, follow us, take underscore six on Twitter, take six podcast on Instagram. Find us on uh, on anchor, just search in take six. And go to take6.org where you can read some of our stuff. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We had a uh, wonderful time talking with you today.